Hello, and welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast, the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. I am your host, Guru Nishan, and I started this podcast several months ago. I guess it just recently hit a year, actually. Congratulations. I hope that you've been listening and rating and um, giving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And you can make a donation at gurunishan.com to support this podcast. And we haven't been getting a lot of people coming forward um, wanting to share their story as of late. Um, but I want you to know that we're here. And I am still welcoming guests. So you are welcome to share your story when and if you are ready. Um, recently, I've had a few people come forward, so we will be conducting some new interviews into the new year. And I do want to share the intentions because specifically for today's episode, which is going to be on predators and the predatory formula that permeates 3HO, I want to read these intentions because they're so important to really feel into what's really happening within the culture in which we come from or that we participated in in some capacity. So I really want to uh, share these. Number one, to break the veil of silence that has long permeated and continues to strangle the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community in the name of neutrality. Number two, to validate and help clarify the complex feelings of those who have joined this lifestyle, were born and raised into it, and or who have practiced or taught kundalini yoga. Number three, to encourage active listening to uncomfortable conversations from our community as a revolutionary act of self and collective healing. Number four, to let survivors know that we see them, we love them, we believe them, and we will fight for their truth to be addressed. Number five, to let teachers who are denying, gaslighting, or spiritually bypassing know that what they are doing is willfully ignorant and re-traumatizing victims. Number six, to illuminate the inherent racism, homophobia, cultural appropriation and exploitation that permeates the teachings, 3HO lifestyle and the overall community ethos. Number seven, to stop the perpetuation of gaslighting and victim shaming by naming it for what it is. Number eight, to dismantle internalized shame, guilt, toxic positivity, and light washing mentality. Number nine, to honor all of the parts of ourselves that have been forgotten or silenced. Number 10, to honor each and every body that has come through our community, both named and unnamed. Number 11, to encourage people to do their own research, process their own emotions, get somatic therapy and other therapy and support as needed, to draw your own conclusions and to be critical thinkers rather than just blindly follow anyone. Please remember that your story matters. Please share it when you're ready. We're here to listen and to support you. So I wanna welcome you to today's episode where we're focusing on predators and the predatory behavior of 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. 
And as I said before, we haven't been having um, a lot of people come forward ready to share their story. And yet I feel like um, that is just a cycle. We all go through cycles of awareness and readiness. And I just want to share that you're welcome when you're ready. There's no hurry and there's no shame in not being ready. It's a process. You know, it's like the ebb and flow of, of the, the waves, right? And healing trauma and healing emotional flashbacks and, and memory, these things come in waves. And so give yourself time. But do know that this space is open for you. And it's a safe space to express and share your experience. And there's no hierarchy in our experience. There's no hierarchy in our trauma because our experience is just our own. So we don't compare it to what somebody else has gone through or if it's not as bad as someone else, it's just our experience. And the more you're willing to break the silence and share your experience, it opens up space for someone else to do the same. And so I welcome you and and, uh, support you in your process wherever you're at. Today, I wanted to really focus in on the predators and this predator formula, which I've talked about in other episodes, but it's like lurking white supremacy. It's everywhere, right? And it's in things we don't even notice in ourselves. I think that's one of the complex natures of being able to even recognize predatory behavior and experiences and interactions. It's like misogyny. It's so infused into the culture of 3HO and Kundalini Yoga that you almost can't recognize it. And we've talked about this in other episodes in terms of this predatory formula that the reason it's so important to keep talking about is because it's still happening in current day. It's not something that YB, the predator was doing just himself. It was something that was so early of a practice and what we now know of YB's abusive tactics and and behavior and process is that this got passed on through the teachings and through the bravado of many teachers the consciousness of many teachers, right? And this shows itself in the language that's still being used today among a lot of teachers and teacher trainings and just within the culture itself that still doesn't give the credence to the abuse that has taken place. So the, this predatory formula, you know, it's, it's really rooted in the... Um, the good old boys club, right? And it's it, it's early training that we've talked about where, you know, when the woman was having a an issue, she would get sent away and the men would have kind of this inner circle. And so that that inner circle of like connection, right? That that special connection to YB, many of the ashram leaders wanted to kind of emulate that. That's the net the nature of how the environment was getting created. So this, this bravado, right? The big rings, that big kind of like big teacher energy. We know that a lot of teachers were sleeping with their students, right? And that these things turned into abusive tactics that went against a lot of these women, these young women that fell prey to the leadership, these yoga teacher ministers that were operating in a predatory capacity because in leadership and then they're counseling students and then they're doing behaviors that aren't, aren't what you would do in a counseling nature, right? So this shows up as the holy man, the wise man teacher, right? The healers. And we've heard this throughout so many episodes around let me cleanse your chakras or, you know, 
we were knowing each other in past lives. And, you know, when young yoga students are coming in to practice the yoga of awareness, there's automatically an assumption that these all white dress, turban wearing, holy men and women are supposed to be a safe place. And it's not. So what we're learning is that it's not only still happening today, but it's built into even the operating system of the elevation of the teacher within the framework of what Kundalini Yoga is taught by Yogi Bhajan is, right? And, you know, even though I grew up in this culture at a very young age, you know, I was aware of all of the affairs my father was having and I had kind of one foot in and one foot out with my mom not being in the community. And I just was able to, you know, we were told a lot of information. So we kind of saw things differently. So by the time I'm 15, you know, I really thought that, you know, I'm beginning to reconcile that every religion, every culture, every family has good and bad, right? And so you do the best you can to reconcile and keep the good and schluff off the not so good. And I really felt that most of my adult life from my 15 to maybe 30, I had done that, that I had shed the dogma and kept the, the yoga health, consciousness, good parts. But what I didn't understand is that we're dealing with imprints. We're dealing with a cultural training that's so deeply imprinted in our own subconscious because we grew up and marinated in it. So a lot of the, the thought processes and the behaviors, like I talked about in the last episode, not even having the awareness that I had never thought to get bangs. And I had never really thought about what the teaching was against bangs, but it was just so deeply ingrained in me. I never once would think about it. And like, that level of imprinting, you know, it's the same thing with how many people have left the Dharma and are still vegetarians. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a vegetarian or you should, but have you dismantled the reasoning why you did it from the Dharma and then for why you do it today? It's just an interesting question, right? My brother had texted me that after the bangs episode, and I, I, I really think that's a good one. It's a good one that we can ask ourselves and marinate around within. But, you know, the imprints, it's not just kind of behaviors that were, we were taught, but it's our earliest, our earliest environment that we grew up around. So just like we learned that it growing up around, you know, chanting and, and, soothing music and meditation is, is supposed to like bless our system, right? And be soothing. If that same environment is actually predatory in nature and there is abuse and there's, there's uh, sexual violation and there's abandonment and there's hunger and there's attachment, right? There's purposeful breaking up of, of families, that level of, of, imprinting is in us, even if we can't recognize it as such. Because the nature of the resilient human spirit is to make the best of it and to then context our life as, shit, we all go through hard stuff. We do the best we can to keep the good, schleff off the rest, and, we're, and make, make lemonade out of lemons, right? So I really felt like I had done that and was living that kind of consciousness or awareness, but I really did like Kundalini yoga for me, but I was pretty aware that I didn't ever want to teach it. And I never thought to ask myself why, like, why was I okay with doing it myself, but I never, ever wanted to teach it. Right. So from 2012, you know, to 2020, in 2012, when 
after I built a business for a decade and that came collapsing. And I felt a level of responsibility for what took place because it was so familiar. It, it somehow like shook me because I was having similar feelings that I remembered growing up. Like I had been kicked out of my own family or um, I just, you know, was built something that I loved and then I no longer had access to it. And just like really manipulative, weird, convoluted things. And it somehow reminded me of my upbringing. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. But it made me ask a different question, right? And the question I started asking about were internal. It was, it was stop focusing on the external. It was like, what's going on? And so from 2012 to 2020, I go into this inner space journey that what I call my, my own personal reclamation. And only now in 2020, landing in the awareness of the full nature of what it felt like to have predators consuming my body. When I started paying attention to what was actually happening inside me, it was full of terror and shame and darkness that I didn't know how to fully reconcile or know what it was about cognitively, but my body held it. And I remember just committing to myself that I was gonna do whatever it took to dismantle the convolution that I was feeling inside of me. And throughout the years, the only language I really had was psycho-spiritual language. So I would talk about the shadow healing journey and like kind of like unpacking traumas. And I would use the language of trauma, but I didn't fully have a context for mental health and trauma at the time because all I had a context for was that I'm a soul on a journey and that I can trust that. And I trusted my body's information and my soul's kind of innate wisdom inside of me. And, you know, that even having that framework on my life is so representative of growing up in our culture. Right. I mean, you wouldn't get that if you grew up in just mainstream America. Right. Um, but what I didn't know is that what I'm actually been doing for the last eight years since 2012 is healing myself from complex PTSD. And I say healing myself, but there were a lot of healers that helped me along the way, a lot of them body workers and working with my fascia and, and other, other things that I had to do to like really dig into my overdeveloped physiology that just had a lot of layers to it hiding parts of me inside, you know? And, you know, I didn't discover I had complex PTSD till 2020, but it really made sense because when I started reading and learning about it, I was able to like trace back. Oh yeah. In 2012 and 13 and 14, I was working on that. Yeah. I was, I was learning to feel and uh, the book CPTSD from surviving to thriving. This, his name is Peter Walker. He has a book called The Tao of Fully Feeling. That's his first book. And that's essentially what he's talking about in that book is learning to feel, right? So I could trace back my, quote, journey. And it's actually rooted in, in understanding what it means to really grow up in a, in a toxic culture environment that we wouldn't have contexted as toxic prior to the last year and a half. And, and maybe many of you did, but I didn't. I knew that parts of it were toxic. I knew that parts of it were hypocritical. I knew that parts of it were convoluted. But I just believed and loved the people, of course, you all. But I also had a reverence for the teachings in the sense that um, I really thought that it was you know, real formulas and real practices that really supported the mind-body connection. I had no idea how disassociated I was from my body at that time. And so this is why talking about predatory practices that we can't recognize in plain sight is so important because we have to do the hard work of being able to recognize 
ourselves, recognize our own patterns of behavior and that may be rooted in complex trauma from our childhood that maybe we've just never been willing to see before. So during that eight years from 2012 to 2020, I thought it was really just my personal soul on a journey, you know, that I was the one going through this. I would have never contexted as kundalini yoga was bad. I would have never said that. I might have had my own style to teach it, you know. I mean, let me go back to 2012 because when I started teaching kundalini yoga, the only reason I started teaching it was because when my business collapsed and I realized that I had to go inward and examine myself differently and figure out what the heck was just what was going on. I noticed that I had vitriol towards teaching it. I loved practicing it. I could name significant times where certain meditations and certain practices supported me in so many different ways, right? I could, I could tell the stories. But what I realized is that was the story I was taught to see. That wasn't necessarily the true story of my body. And so when I noticed that vitriol inside me in 2011, 12, I knew I had to lean into it. So I was like, God, you don't want to teach. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and teach, you know? And so I leaned into it because I wanted to find out why I had so much bubbling on the inside, like almost like vomit, like it wanted to come right out of me. And so I had to start unpacking that. And, you know, that was like a slow unravel that led me to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And before you know it, I'm on an eight year journey that I had no idea was going to be eight years into myself to discover emotional terror and frozenness and an inability to feel myself and on and on. It was just, it was so convoluted. So at the time, I thought it was just me and my own personal soul's work. But since 2020, and that all this has come out to the public, it affirmed the, quote, journey I had been on, that even though my mind couldn't believe that the abuse I was finding in my body came from my childhood, my body knew the whole time. So this is somatically true. And this is what makes it trauma informed is that our bodies always know. The question really is, is are we paying attention? Are we listening? And do we even know what that means? Do we know how to listen to what the body's communicating? So what I've come to learn is that this is actually institutional abuse. This is environmental abuse. It's cultural abuse. And the way that our body holds that as a memory is, is, is so much extra than just the personal stuff that we might've gotten through our fam, our personal family and our personal experiences. There were a lot of experiences I didn't go through personally, but it was the permeating environment and my body held that memory. And we all do because that's how the nervous system and the human system works. So with that, I want to share that I knew that I was on a journey, but I wouldn't have been able to context it so big until this year. And, and the last couple of years in 2020 has just been um, just a very deep level of embodying everything that I knew to be true over the last number of years and reclaiming ages and parts of myself that I've never, ever, ever felt before. And my breath has access in my body in places that it's never gone and holding patterns of my muscles and my strong training are, are starting to, to collapse and melt. And it's a brilliant thing. And um, with that is birthing the, the first reveal of this new shine that I'm bringing forth that I've worked hard for, for the last number of years, that's finally coming into the, uh, physical manifestation as a spoken word burlesque spectacular happening on the winter solstice of 2021, December 21, 2021. And that's this Tuesday. So if you would like to online stream this special event, I am doing my first 
ever one woman show. And it's called The Pussy Whisperer. And it's poetry that I wrote back in 2016, 17 that came through me. And then it's just continued to develop over the years. And then this year I added a little bit more to it. Um, and a burlesque show that I brought to life in 2017 and then merged it with my spoken word poetry in 2019. And it's just been this slow kind of emergence as I've been in this inner world healing myself and it's finally coming out into a form to share with others. And it would be such an honor to have you come and witness because this is literally the beginning of and the prelude to my book that will be coming out in 2022 called The Predators in My Body, Healing uh, Sexual and Spiritual Abuse. And this performance in this show is really about what I've shared in the last couple episodes of shedding my old identities, these, these veils of my own illusion to be able to see myself fully and claim the full richness of who I am and not be frozen in terror in the deepest parts of me um, and frozen in hunger. And so this show, it's, it's provocative and it's powerful and it's truthful. It's my uh, living truth and my experience of my healing journey. So again, it's this Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. If you can't come live, you can live stream it and watch it on a replay. And we're actually uh, partnering with a local nonprofit here in Chicago called Childhood Fractured and raising money for this um, wonderful cause of supporting adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse through write, writing, art, and performance. So if you're listening to this and it's past the solstice, then you can make a donation um, at the ticket link that you'll find in the comments. Um, and you can also decide to uh, reach out to me at gnguruneshan.com if you want to uh, support and host a Lighting Up the Dark watch party and invite some people over and, and watch this beautiful spoken word burlesque extravaganza, um, spectacular, and raise awareness and let's break the silence barrier and speak out loud about um, why childhood sexual abuse is just not okay and how common it really is. As we speak out, you'll realize a lot, a lot, a lot of us have been affected by this and we don't even remember. But when we hear about it, it rings true inside of us. And so uh, support the work. You can make a donation um, and you can also get a ticket and watch it in a replay or live with me. So come out and support the event. We're also highlighting a panel of all male survivors and I specifically wanted to hi highlight um, men and men sexual abuse survivors because it's far more common than we hear talked about. And my hashtag is men too. Men too. Men have been violated too. And I talk about the violations of, of my upbringing. I know that the, pre the people who were predators on me had ha have been violated themselves. And this is what happens when we aren't speaking out as we, it passes on and it comes out sideways. So yeah, I want to invite you to come and witness, bear witness my healing journey. It's been brilliant. This podcast is a part of my journey, obviously it's been happening the last couple of years. Um, but this performance is like a whole new level of identity. I'm claiming like performance and art and, and really the creative aspects of myself that I don't have to operate within this limited box of how my consciousness is supposed to run, but that I get to choose, that I have agency. And that's what this piece is really all about, is it's about reclaiming myself from the rubble of, of unconscious sexual and spiritual abuse. And um, come bear witness and uh, support me in my blossoming. It would be awesome. So yeah, enough of that plug. Um, this particular podcast is really about the predators and how they're showing up today. So we know 3HO is permeated with this. We've heard, you know, we had an episode earlier on Guru Dave Singh, and we know this is happening in so many areas. Um, but one of the areas, you know, that really concerns me is the is the grooming. We talked about this in, in several episodes, but grooming can be very tricky. Um, 
because it's hard to see and it comes across as support. And so you, you think you can trust someone and within, again, the context of a Kundalini yoga class or training, there's automatically an assumption of trustworthiness in this kind of high, holy, all white, all knowing special awareness place. And so we have to learn to educate ourselves on how to ask better questions and, and pierce through these, these veils of illusion of, of what trust and safety looks and feels like. The reason that I speak and name predators, and I don't mean by their name per se, but more predator behavior, what it looks like, because it isn't always as obvious. It's not someone getting raped per se, right? It's, it's a slow seduction that seems okay. And when we grow up around something, a lot of behavior we might think is normal really isn't. And that's the tricky part about misogyny and the tricky part about white supremacy is we've got to do better. We got to do better than just not dealing with it. We got to do, we got to be willing to dismantle it. So as men, you might have an operating system growing up in three HO that's an unconscious misogyny and you don't know it because it would be pretty hard to come out of that culture and not have that. Just like as a woman growing up in three HO, it would be near to impossible to grow up in our culture, spend any amount of time and not come out with a ton of slut shame um, and prostitute shame. And so, you know, the men had that same level of, of entrapment and training, but to dismantle it is tricky because we have to learn to start seeing it. Rape culture is hard to see because it's so normalized. So you have to start researching and learning about it because I guarantee you might use some of the language and you don't even know it. So we name it so that we can see what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like, so that it isn't normal anymore. And usually a sign when, when this stuff is starting to rumble and come out is it can make you feel really uncomfortable to hear it, to even listen to it. You're like, oh, I'd rather not talk about it. That's a good sign. It's uncomfortable, right? It's not meant to, to stay living inside you. It's wanting out. Um, the problem is with grooming is oftentimes because we didn't get our needs met early and we probably have attachment issues and abandonment issues, grooming happens because we're seeking that level of solace and security and safety in someone. And so what's so, I think, convoluted about the 3HO Kundalini Yoga culture is the projection, how much on an outside, they kind of, we have this, this projection of all white, so holy, so conscious, so aware, the right formula, the right way to live, everything, right? It's like once somebody gets into that interweb, it's a pretty hard one to get out of. Just like if you've grown up in it, it's pretty hard to detangle because love and abuse is all up wrapped together. It's not a simple, this is that, and that's this. And that's what makes it enmeshment. So grooming is hard to recognize because it comes in the form of a feeling of support and a sense of trustworthiness and I'm going to read a Facebook messenger text thread of a gentleman that is exposing himself as a groomer and, and as a predator. And, you know, I'm just like disgusted by the, the, the read of it, which is what I'm going to share. But, you know, you can look at it as harmless. And that's the thing about behavior like white supremacy and, and you know, colorblindness as a form of white supremacy or apathy or silence or um, just all the ways in which supremacy expresses itself in the unknown ways to a lot of us white people. Misogyny does the same thing. We, you know, I, I was talking to another second generation um, person and who's in, in the community still. And it was just a fascinating conversation because, you know, they were describing how, you know, within, you know, the teachings and all the things, you know, it's, it's, it's like rape culture is so infused 
And then you see these teachers go out there and use this in, in these, you know, seeking yoga students, you know? And so we know this because we've seen this at whatever stage we were in 3HO. What I want to point out is it's still happening now, right now. And so how do we support educating those young, naive people that are going to join the culture? Because they will. If we don't speak out and make it accessible that people can act access like other information, then the machine of the PR hiring that KRI and SSSC are going to do, you know, they know what, what the teachings can bring in terms of their, their revenue source. But are we going to expose this predatory formula so that it doesn't just keep going on? Because I find it really sad. And it's, um, and, you know, for me, my approach is not to fight against something, but rather to find voice for something else. Um, and so I, I'm finding voice for survivors of sexual and spiritual abuse. How do we find spaces and places to talk about predators so that it's not something we want to whisper about? So that when it's happening within our families, we don't keep it quiet, even though everybody knows that uncle or that person is not someone that's safe. And so we, we, we stay silent, even though we know people within our communities and our families and our, our cultures and our religions and our churches aren't safe. And we do that because that's a part of rape culture and predatory. It's a part of the silence nature of predatory culture. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and read my text thread with this unsolicited advice that this wise man guru from the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community decided to jump into my DMs and school me on whatever he thought he needed to share with me. This is an example, ladies and gentlemen, of what grooming looks like, okay? And it's fascinating because, again, it can seem harmless, but if you feel into the thread of where this is going, it is not harmless at all. And it actually makes me want to puke from the inside out, which I've, I said to him a couple of times. I called him out on it, actually. And then later on, he continued. And yeah, I think I had to call him out some more. All right, let's go ahead and read this. Let's see. So it starts. This was this past summer, ladies and gentlemen. This past summer. I've been digesting this since pa this past summer. Hello, sister. I read your post on Facebook around Jesus. It's all good. And then your thoughts around Kudalini Yoga and its culture. If you ever wish to chat, I can make myself available. Blessings. That was a 3 a.m. thought for me, by the way. I respond. I'm not following your thinking here. Thank you for making yourself available, however. And then he responds, hello, in your post, you are referring to 3HO as a culture disguised as community. And now these are my personal writings that I put on Facebook that he's referring to. I recognize after being involved for almost 50 years that there is much that needs to improve and be fixed, which I am working diligently to do, mostly through healing and strengthening myself, as well as speaking up when things do not feel right. Looks like you are doing great work helping others do similar things. Just was offering to listen to what may have turned your experience sour with 3HO. With all respect, I'm here if you wish to talk. And then he goes on a couple hours later to say, this is aside from the YB allegations all of which I believe could be true. Now I'm going to pause there and just say that I didn't reply after the only reply I'd mentioned. And what makes this a little bit disgusting is 
A, he saw a post on my Facebook page and then he jumps into my DM, right? And he goes ahead and makes himself available for his opinions to be said to me. And then he goes on about his opinions of letting himself have the credibility of being there for 50 years and how he's healing himself. And it looks like I'm doing similar work to him and that he's just offering to listen to me if I need to get it off my chest. Okay. So it seems sweet and kind. And if I was in a place um, that I was emotionally distraught and young, I might actually take him up on that because I might think this might be a sign and he's a wise leader and he knows and all of the things. But for me, I get puke in my mouth. That's what goes on for me, right? Yeah. And then I want to point out that a couple hours later, I mentioned he comes in four hours later, actually, he comes in and says, this is aside from the YB allegations, all of which I believe could be true. All right. This is one of the several times that I loathe hearing the language that people are using towards the women that have come forward with their stories of abuse. Okay. Allegations are allegations. When women are coming forward with their story or men are coming forward with their story, but in this particular case, women, right? They're not allegations. They're their reports of harm, their experience of harm. Okay. Somebody else calls in an allegation that might be questioning whether that's true. Okay. So using that terminology further perpetuates and it's a form of gaslighting. If we keep using that language over and over and over again, we end up doing it even though we're believers of the women. And I've heard this from my fellow peers and other people that are believe the women people that are using language like allegation. It makes me so mad. And then all I all of which I believe could be true. Okay. Once again, it's using language that's not definitive. It's not grounded. It's nebulous. It's possibility. It's neutrality, but it's not, it's not like, I absolutely believe that. Right. And that is salesman language. Okay. It's not completely owning something, but it's, it's keeping it in the, in the gray zone. No good. I, I don't want to hear that. Right. So I don't say anything. All right. A month goes by. And I get a message from him after I post a new post. Good morning. Hope all is well. I saw you the other day, I believe on Facebook, holding a sword and presenting as a, quote, tough woman image. As much as I appreciate and understand the need for women to be strong these days, I also just wanted to invite you to be a little bit careful with how you present yourself in these very unusual times, being the attractive woman that you are. I happen to be a sword maker and a martial artist for over 40 years. My prayers are with you for every success. And maybe there is something here for us to do together in the future. A thought for you or not. And one of my several affirmations at the conclusion of my daily practice is to absolutely be fearless. All right. So we're just going to take a pause for the puke break. How's that landing with you, everybody? Yeah. So once again, inviting himself into my DMs, to give his opinion on my post. Once again, giving himself credit that he's this special guy that knows how to make swords and martial arts, right? Once again, within our community, there's always the special guy who knows numerology or sword making or the martial artist or reads the special numbers or does Sanam Rasayan who can do the special energy healing on you or who can, you know, say that he needs to do a chakra healing and touch your pussy, put his fingers in your pussy, like all these things, right? I'm just saying, this is how it starts. Because he's presenting himself 
And then he's wanting to like be a protector for me. Like, I just want you to be aware that maybe this isn't such a good idea. Okay. This is again, predator formula. Then he goes and tells and uses language like, maybe there's something here for us. Maybe we can work together. Right. And, and then he's telling me his practice, like, oh, I be fearless. Okay. Okay. My reply couldn't help myself. Okay. Growing up as a Khalsa warrior kid taught me enough about being a tough woman disguised as grace and holiness. Actually, just sadistic abuse cloaked in white superiority and predator behavior as old as time. Old trauma repeating itself through the ages in holy communities, propagating consciousness. I've been unlearning that persona for most of my life. I'm softening, reclaiming, and speaking out loud what has been silenced in me for so long. So then his reply, and this is really important because that was my reply, and this is his reply. So you grew up in 3HO ashram? Question mark. So you grew up in a 3HO ashram setting or community? Question mark. Hold up. I wish I had a turntable. He is just now, just now recognizing that I grew up in 3HO, which gives us several indicators. Number one, he's never listened to the podcast and has no idea who he's talking to. Okay. And huh? Right. And then you're randomly coming in my DMs because I look so pretty on my Facebook posts with my cute little hot dress. I mean, I don't know. If you don't know that I grew up in 3HO and you're watching my, my Facebook page and you don't know I run the podcast, like what? Okay, so he asked the question and I reply. I'm humble enough to reply. Kidding. Yes, I was born and raised in the Phoenix Ashram. I know and remember you from being a child. My father was the director in the Phoenix Ashram and I remember him, um, whatever, from you at one point. And then I started the uncomfortable conversation. Oh, I said, yeah, I don't know if it was a Kirpan or jewelry. Okay, I started the uncomfortable conversation podcast uh, from our community to expose the many, many, many abuses that have and continue to go on in the name and cloak of spiritual superiority and whiteness. Please listen, everyday abuses, not by the master, why be the predator, but by all the conscious, holy students following in his noble footsteps. Thank you. The predatory nature of the holy men and women in our community is sickening and rampant and very well disguised to so many seekers. And please... Please stop jumping into beautiful women's DMs in the name of service, help, and protection. It's creepy. If I didn't know who you were, I wouldn't have even responded. FYI. All right. So I decided to school him, right? This is what we call or what Black people call to white people emotional labor. Okay. This is essentially us, have them having to teach us, or in this case, a woman having to teach a man that what you're doing is creepy. What you're saying is not helpful and it's somewhat slimy. It's, it's sideways. Right. And again, in misogyny, you can't always recognize your behavior when we grow up in it. In rape culture, we can't recognize as women that we, that we enable it. You know, I didn't recognize that I let healers touch me inappropriately for most of my life. I mean, not everyone, but plenty, more than five, which is like, what the F? Now, consciously, I, I don't want to admit that, but it's a very unconscious imprint to allow behavior, to stay silent when things go on. We don't necessarily know how to change it if we can't even recognize it. Right? Yeah. So what I've learned is that my body recognized violation as safe. Take that one to the bank, ladies and gentlemen. That's called brilliant survival. That's what that's called. And your nervous system and my nervous system is so fucking brilliant that we do whatever it takes to survive until we start to heal and feel and wake up and start changing some of these internal 
um, unconscious operatings. We're going to continue. So he replies, thank you for giving me some background on who you are and what you have experienced. I did not know your dad well at all. And thank you for the work that you're doing to expose and hopefully heal some of the things that you've mentioned here. If you might have an inclination to do the latter part of that. I'm going to come back to that statement. We're going to continue, though. Not all of us who have embraced this lifestyle for decades are as twisted as you are projecting here. I am in the midst of having some abuses against me by some of those in the leadership roles here in our community because of their profound fear. It has been difficult and a very important learning, and it has been um, and I have been experiencing for me. If you prefer that we not speak again, I'm okay with that and wishing you all the best and all his blessings. Ugh, more puke in the mouth. And I would stop and dissect it, but there's more. So I'm just going to keep reading and then I'll come back and dissect it. And from my observation here, he continues, you have a healthy amount of anger around a lot of this stuff. I agree with you 100% that many things need to shift. And the way to get your point across, in my opinion, is having it be as neutral and uplifting a message as possible. That is the only way many will pay more attention to and hear your message. Oh, God, more opinions, right? Oh, my God. Kill, shoot me now. All right. This is my reply. The lie of neutrality. It's so old and exhaustive. No, I'd prefer raw, real truth that people can feel. I've been numb and neutral my whole life. It's not healthy or honest. It's repressive and causes maladaptive sexual predator behavior that I've seen in the past and continue to witness in present day 3HO. Thank you for your unsolicited opinion. We are good at that in the Dharma. It's all a part of the hide vulnerability, expose wisdom formula of the wise old, why be the predator master? Yes. I'm more and more excited about my anger and my rage and my capacity to feel it and name it and express it in real time. Whew. That's taken years of melting the gaslighting spiritual neutrality garbage that gets spoon fed to us like spiritual wisdom Pez. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Then he comes back and he says more. The neutrality. That I, this is him. The neutrality that I am referring to comes from deep meditation and is nothing like you describe. I am grateful that with some regularity, I am afforded by the one to be immersed in that. It is a blessing when we can continue to learn, be happy, and I'm happy to hear that you are doing that. I don't mean to sound like I'm trying to tell you what to do or not to do in any fashion. So, yeah. Okay. He's not meaning to tell me what to do or what not to do, but he's telling me what he thinks, right? The best way to get across my message, the neutrality that he experiences from deep meditation, it's, it's just filled with such narcissistic expressions of all knowing. And this is a really important aspect to Kundalini yoga as a teacher, because that's embedded in the fundamental aspects of Kundalini yoga teacher training is this, this all knowing teacher. And you have to sign this oath to live in this certain way. And, and so, you know, the more entrenched people are in the, in the, the credentials have been in for 40 years and 50 years and the legacy teachers. And what that means is, is it's a longer and longer legacy of being blind to the narcissistic, abusive, predatory ways of your own nature that you think is compassion. It's not, it's not compassion. Okay. It's unsolicited opinions 
and it's grooming because if I was a young woman and I replied to some of these things, he's engaging me. He's, he's offering, he's creating an offer of connectivity and yet pedestaling himself simultaneously by jumping into my beautiful woman DM um, unsolicited and not knowing that I'm a member of the Dharma. Think about that for a second. If I was just this young, naive yoga student who had just a little bit of touch with Kundalini yoga and now feeling upset about all of the allegations, you know, I mean, we heard that testimony a couple of episodes ago. And so this is what's happening now with young yoga students, you know, beautiful young students that are full of trauma and really need therapy. You know, they don't need a yoga class. And yet our spiritual communities are filled with bypassing where we aren't getting the therapy that we need. And we're contexting mental health through diagnosing Kundalini yoga meditations that frankly, we now know aren't really formulas at all. So let's see if there's something I want to dissect about that. His, his thing here, right? You know, he's, you know, he's, he, again, he's like pedestaling himself around the being the sword maker. Right. And then, um, and then I tell him I'm born in 3HO and then he's like, oh, you're in 3HO. So now I explain the different things. And he's like, now he comes in as if he's doing the work to break open the community and, and really make sure, like he even says this, if you might have any inclination to do the latter part of that. Okay, let's go back. I did not know your dad well at all. And thank you for the work that you are doing to expose and hopefully heal some of the things that you've mentioned here. I just went on a flipping rant about healing predatory abuse and starting the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast, right? And to stop jumping into women's DMs. So I'm obviously pretty aware. And he goes on to, to not to question whether I have the inclination to do the actual healing. And then he goes on to gaslight me saying, not all of us have embraced this lifestyle for decades or as twisted as you are projecting. So he's gaslighting me in the language that I'm speaking to, which was very strong language, but not against anyone. And um, and then he's a, in the midst of, of abuses against him from leadership in his community. So he's now exposing himself as being a predator that he's already avidly displaying in my DMs for me. And now he's talking about, you know, how hard it is for him, you know, and then he comes in with another flipping opinion about his observation about my anger. Well, first of all, there's not one adult in 3HO or Kundalini Yoga that should tell me anything about anger because you haven't felt your fucking gonads in fucking 50 years. Like, when was the last time you got angry? No, you've been busy channeling it, doing too much sakriya, eating too much garlic and ginger and not getting enough fucking. Okay, there's my rant. Yeah, so he's giving me his opinion on anger. When nobody in the Dharma feels a damn thing, much less their anger, gee. And then he goes on to just give me his opinion, right? I agree 100% of the things that you need to shift, but what you need to do is shift. That many of the things need to shift and the way to get your point across is, in his opinion, is having it be as neutral and uplifting a message as possible. I mean, come on. If that's just not 3HO 101, why are you telling a kid that grew up from the Dharma that? That's not helpful. So once again, this is re-traumatizing if I hadn't done so much level of trauma work. Another reason he shouldn't be in my DMs. But the fact that he didn't know I was growing up in 3HO and he comes in my DMs makes it that much more predatory because it means he's following a hot chick on Facebook who happens to speak out about 3HO and decides to jump into my DMs to give me his holy man advice 
about how I can best get my message across. Oh, gee, gee, gee. Oh, Satnam, 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 gee. Satnam, gee. Satnam, gee. Ugh. I don't know if I got much more to say. I think we're going to take a moment of silence on this. Let it land. And I want to just say that we know when something feels off. We all do. We have this innate ability to know when things feel off. But when we grow up around this level of convolution and we've just acclimated to it, we can't always recognize it. And so it's just, it's not your fault if you can't see and recognize and name these things yet because it has to do with the amount of metabolizing of your own past pain that you've done. And if you want to learn more on that, get Resma Menicum's book called My Grandmother's Hands. Um, you know, he, he mending our hearts and our bodies from uh, racialized trauma, but it, you know, he really gives it some perspective. We all got pain. You know, the question is, is it clean pain or dirty pain? And they both hurt. Clean pain and dirty pain hurt. But when we're willing to turn towards the fear and turn towards the pain and turn towards the shame and turn towards the abuse and see it and feel it and let it unravel us in whatever capacity it's ready for, it's called metabolizing our pain. The human body is designed for this. And when you metabolize the pain, it's not that the information's not still there. It just doesn't affect us as much because the body has integrated and processed it. It's metabolized it. But when we repress it and we push away and we're not willing to look at it and not willing to name it and not willing to do the slow steps that it takes to be with ourselves in these ways that we haven't learned how to do or be yet, um, then the pain just stays dirty in our bodies. And over time it gets heavy and it can morph into other types of diseases and stuff because it just gets dense. Energy that densifies over time just turns into matter more and heavier and heavier. So metabolizing pain is a really great book. I highly recommend you hear it from him because he's a licensed therapist and he describes it um, contextually so well. So all of this work is about waking up to what's happening all around us. Growing up in 3HO, we grew up around a predatory environment disguised as spirituality and enlightenment, disguised as awareness. But what I've been learning in therapy and through learning about complex PTSD, as well as in the group therapy that we're doing with other second generation kids in 3HO, is I'm realizing that so many of us share so many things in common, even though we don't even know each other in terms of our fear responses, our rejection responses, our emotional attachment responses, our deep, deep pains. And um, that's a fascinating thing because it depersonalizes this process. And the more we metabolize our pain, the more we're able to see supremacy and predatory behavior for what it is because we're not unconsciously bound to it and through it and unconsciously benefiting from it in some way. Hmm. So that's it for tonight, folks. I wanna thank you for listening to the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast, the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. You are welcome to donate to this podcast by going to gurunishan.com and making a one-time or monthly donation. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can email me at gn at gurunishan.com. And we'd love to hear your story. I don't have a song for us tonight because I just really wanted to record this. But I do want to say I invite you out to my spoken word burlesque spectacular first time doing my own one woman show and I'll be beginning to reveal my healing journey 
that I was on from 2012 to 2020, and then catapulting into the last couple of years into this new year of 2022. So I appreciate, honor, and value you as listeners. I ask you to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and leave a comment. It helps me to know that you're listening and supporting this work. And if you haven't yet, get your tickets for the Burlesque Spectacular as I break the silence barrier and light up the dark on the darkest night of the year of 2021, sharing with you the last 10 years of healing myself of sexual and spiritual abuse and complex PTSD that I didn't even know I had. You, as other fellow members of this community, have supported my healing in ways you don't even understand. And me being able to recognize your pain in my body has facilitated an exponential experience over the last few years. And I'm grateful. I'm really grateful for the darkness inside and the ability to illuminate it as well. Thank you for listening. I thank you for your support. And I look forward to next episode where we're going to be continuing uh, the wise man formula. In fact, it's a really interesting story um, that goes back to my early adulthood and my father as the wise man predator in a very different context than I've explained in my personal story. But I'm going to bring a special guest on to share his experience, who's not a part of 3HO, but the ripple effect of my dad's training within 3HO and the manipulation and narcissism that carried on in the other communities that he lived in along the way are worthy of speaking to if we really want to understand um, what this predatory formula looks like, feels like, and sounds like so that we can all become better advocates to stop it when it happens in real time. That goes for white supremacy. That goes for misogyny and rape culture. It's all of our responsibility to dismantle this within ourselves, within our own lived experience, and realize that silence is a part of the problem. So help break the silence, support the cause, and thank you for listening.